Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we will discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we will talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I am your host for today's program. I am a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, and also please consider leaving a review of this podcast as well. So today we're going to talk about something that doesn't get talked about a lot, which is firing a client. And firing a client, it, it, when you're in business, and particularly if you have a sales role, is something that just seems wrong. You know, we work so hard to get clients. Clients are not easy to get. They're not easy to keep. Um, and, and so we're hardwired that every client is precious. And to a large extent, I think that, that I think that's a healthy attitude to have. When you're not grateful for your clients, bad things happen. Your business is not going to survive long. But there is a point where enough is enough. The customer isn't always right. In fact, sometimes the customer is not the right fit or they're just a raving lunatic or somewhere in between. And, but, but thinking about that process – is important. If you, if you fire the wrong client, you've passed up revenue for no good reason. If you fire the client badly, then your reputation is going to suffer. Um, but if you've been in, this, in any business long enough, firing a client or firing a customer is, is, is a fact of life. So we're going to talk about that today with Jim DeBetta. Jim is the founder and president of DeBetta Enterprises, which specializes in coaching and consulting for inventors and consumer product startup companies. His firm also assists clients with product development and engineering of consumer products, as well as sales and marketing representation to major retailers for, our, for their select clients. Recently, he was vice president of retail distribution for TV Goods, which is owned by Kevin Harrington from the ABC show Shark Tank. Jim headed up a team of retail specialists that called on the world's most prestigious retailers and TV shopping networks, including HSN and QVC. Jim is the author of the top-selling book, The Business of Inventing, former staff writer for Inventor's Digest, and have sold over $100 million of products for product entrepreneurs and inventors alike. Jim's podcast, Get Retail Ready, is a valuable resource for those just starting out or looking to scale their business. His firm has formed a solid network of product engineers, factory brokers, angel investment firms, licensing experts, and sales and marketing professionals, among many other areas of expertise. They work with Fortune 500 companies, celebrities, and individual inventors alike. Jim and his team specialize in finding factories to produce products, create pricing strategies, marketing public relations, and selling products to major retailers such as Target, Walmart, Best Buy, Costco, Bed Bath & Beyond, Michaels, Walgreens, HSN, Macy's, Amazon, and many others. Prior to forming DeBetta Enterprises, Jim led a successful startup company that produced sport optics such as binoculars and handheld magnifiers. He was president and chief operating officer and led the company from insignificant revenue to nearly $15, $50 million in sales in under eight years. We welcome Jim to bed of the program. Jim, thanks for showing up. Hey, thanks, Mike. Good to see you again. 
So it, it's it's interesting, you know, when I put this topic out there, I you know, I, I put it literally put it out on social media. I'd like somebody to come on and talk about firing clients. And you sort of rose your hand and said that, you know, I would like to come on and talk about that. What what motivated you to do that? Why is that a subject that is close to your heart? Well, I mean, I think, you know, in any business, but particularly my business, you know, inventing is an emotional business. So when people have a product, it's not just, hey, I have a particular thing I want to get out there, but they get very tied to it because it's sort of like their baby, right? I mean, it's something that they created out of a need or because there was a problem and they couldn't solve it or couldn't find a solution. So they say, well, you know, I got to do this on my own. And then they spend years developing it. And then when they come to me, then I have to see if it's a good fit for me. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I got I to gotta jump in on this one. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of experience with that myself. As, as you know, I used to run a nonprofit called Startup Lounge, and I still have oh, yeah. week, monthly office hours. And sometimes an entrepreneur shows up, and they want to run their idea by me. And you sort of have to tell them, well, I'm sure your baby's healthy, but it ain't all that good looking. And that is something that is not necessarily well received from somebody that – has internalized their problem or their, their business, I should say, the problem that they're trying to solve. And they've had a lot of people sort of cheer them along the way. So oh, that's you know, friends and family, go for it. That's a great idea. People, by the way, who lose nothing if right. the business fails. Advisors like me that could make money if they start their business, start spending money on advisors. And there's this feedback loop, right, that just internalizes, internalizes, and all of a sudden you can get to a point where you think, well, I've got the next iPhone. Right, it's just that obvious. Do you encounter that as well? Oh yeah, and you know, friends and family are the worst because you know they they love you or they you know, really they, they're are. supposed to love you, right? But you'll you'll always have that obnoxious one that will say, oh, you know that that's crappy or you know I wouldn't do that ever. Right. But most of the time, you, they're going to give you support, whether it's the product's good or or not good in their mind, and they, and that's what they should do in a way, right? But that's why we don't want them to say. Well, my next door neighbor or my parents or my, my kids think this is great, that, that's a red flag to me. What matters is what everybody else in the world thinks, right, objectively. So people can look at it and say, with no vested interest, saying, I would buy this or I don't like that. And that's an important thing. But all of this comes down to, which I know we're going to talk about, is managing expectations when people start to work with me. And, and right off the bat, that's how I determine if I should take on a client or even move on from a client. When things start, you know, when I get that feeling that things aren't going right. Okay, well, we'll we'll come back to that. Let's let's start off with, you know, how how do you how do you work with a client? Uh, well, I mean, usually people will come to me in all stages. Some people will come to me and say, "Hey, Jim, I've got an idea for something," and they haven't really done anything. Maybe they've done a patent search, or they just you know went online and, and wanted to see if the product was actually out there. And assuming that they haven't found you know what it is that they're creating, they'll come to me and I'll, I basically project manage them through the whole process. So people will come to me at that stage. And then people come to me that have you know multi-million dollar businesses and they're already selling some retailers, but they want to go further. They want to scale. They want to get into you know every retailer they can. They want to be you know a huge company. So you know they come to me at all phases and stages and they and they come from everywhere, you know, from social media all over the world, from referrals and you know because the world's so digital People can find me easily, and, and hence, you know, I get a lot of lead flow, and people, you know, just reaching out because they see me out there online. And and you're not hard to find. I mean, you're a pretty prolific creator of content as well, and I mean, you're always always willing to give advice. And I'm sure that 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 helps. So, doing what you do, and I think I know the answer to this, but I want to assume: what do you think is the hardest part about working with a client 
in your space? What's the hardest hurdle you have to get over, the most common challenge? It's that emotional part that they, they all believe that their product is going to be the next billion-dollar idea. And most are not going to be, most aren't going to be million-dollar ideas. And, you know, I always say to people, you know, it's okay to be a thousandaire, right? Like, because <laughs> right. a lot of, you know, no inventor that I know invents for a living. They have a, a day job or a night job. And, right. you know, so they have, a, they have a living, they live a normal life. And this is something they do on the side. They do it at their lunch break, on the weekends at, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So, you know, for them, it, it's a part-time thing, if that makes sense. That's really interesting. Yeah. You're right. I mean, there really is no kind of modern-day Thomas Edison, right? Yeah. You know, maybe Steve, you know, the late Steve Jobs, maybe he was kind of that, and he had like a whole huge corporation to sort of back that. Um, but yeah, and, and maybe, you know, the late, I'm sure you're aware of him, the late Ron Popeil, he was kind of that guy, right? Yep, absolutely. By the way, I have one of those, those Showtime rotisserie. Doesn't cars. everyone? I got I one think. of those things for Christmas. The <laughs> damn thing actually works. <laughs> they are good. It. We don't make a turkey without it now. I yeah. thought, I got that thing for Christmas, and I thought for sure this is going to our attic. It's never coming out again. And now I was going to fry a turkey like last year, and my son, oh, you're going to fry a turkey? Yes. I really like the rotisserie yes. one. So, Ron, if you're listening, buddy, you got one satisfied yeah, customer right. down here. But you're right. Most people do this as kind of a side gig. I hadn't thought of that. So that's a really interesting. Yeah, and, and they have to because when you start, like you start any business, there's, you know, you're, you're writing checks, but there's no money coming in. So they need to, you know, fund the business through whatever it is that they do for a living. You know, very few people will, you know, call me with an inheritance on their hands. I mean, or they'll just max out their cards. But that's another thing, too. I have to kind of temper that. If somebody says to me, Jim, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to empty my 401k or, I, I push back. I don't want to. I don't want to feel because I know it's a risky business. I don't want to be the one that you know sort of takes the money there and leads them down that path. They fail, and now they really have nothing. That, and that puts a lot of pressure on you. Right? Sure, it's, it's almost it, that for me would create performance anxiety. Right, Somebody comes to me and says, "I've just emptied out my four hundred one k. I've leveraged the five twenty nine. My wife doesn't know any of this." Oh, and I've got, I have that too. And there's like, "Don't tell my wife. Don't tell my husband." St-. And I'm like, I, "I don't really want to start off this way." I, I always say, "Like, don't tell me if it's something you don't think I want to hear. Don't even bring it up. Just you know." That's right. It's it, it's a scary thing. How well, people because they get so emotionally attached, they will do just about anything to. You know, to fund it or, or come up with money for it. And that's a scary notion sometimes. So it sounds like part of your job, and I find this in, my, in mine too, is sometimes you have to be kind of an amateur therapist. You do. I mean, and again, it, 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 a lot of it comes down to just calming people down. They, they call me up, oh, Jim, you know, I, I've got this thing. It's awesome. I'm so excited. And, you know, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And you have to get them on the phone. You know, you have to say, all right, look, it's a business. It's like any other business. It's risky. And I have to almost scare them away. Because if I don't let them know the realities of it and that they can fail. Right. And, you know, some people say, well, why do you do that? Why do you scare people away? Why aren't you being more positive? I'm like, look, I'd rather err on the side of, okay, I'm, I prevented somebody from doing something basically stupid than, and, and encourage their, you know, misbelief of something. Then, you know what I mean? That, it's, that's important to me. And, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, 20 plus years. I, I think I have a good handle, good intuition when it comes to, you know, how people are with me. And right within 30 seconds, I know how they're going to be. <laughs> well, you know, and you know, I think that's a sign of a strong professional is, is you know there's sometimes you shouldn't take a client on because you could, you could take their money today. In fact, the, in, in your case, they're probably saying, shut up and take my money because right. i got to get this thing on Walmart and Target, right? Yep. And, and you kind of make it hard. And I suspect because I run into this also when people think that they want their business appraised, um, I don't want them at the end of 
uh, 30-day, 60-day, one-year process thinking that I had told them that I laid out the yellow brick road for them and then it didn't end that way, right? That just – that's bad all the way around, right? Yeah, and it, it, you know, you'll hear me say this a few times. It's managing expectations for people. You have to do it for them. They're not going to do it themselves. They're excited, right? They've got an idea. I mean, they see other people. They watch Shark Tank. They watch, you know, they see all the activity out there, and they believe that their their product is the next one or it's better. And they get you know, they get fooled by that. And it, so it it is. I have to. I don't want to. I mean, who wants to turn away business? But. I have to tell some people this is not right. You shouldn't be doing this, or you should slow down. Or you know, there are people that want to hire me. You know, they see the kind of offerings I have in terms of you know packages and things that I offer. Oh, I want the best. I want. I'm like, no, no, you're not ready for that. What do you mean? I'm not, you know, they get. I'm like, look, I could take your money. Yeah, I'll send you an invoice. You'll, you'll pay me in five seconds, right? But that's not the right thing to do. The right thing is to get them in a better position to have a better chance at success. And the way to do that is to calm them down right and yep. say here's what's likely to happen here's the path it's not going to take three weeks it's going to take three you know months or six months and you know then they kind of go back and sleep on it and then usually most people will come back to reality and say okay i got it i talked it over with whoever you know i i, I appreciate it i feel good about it okay how do we move forward so do you remember the first time or one of the first times you ever had to fire a client and if so or maybe talk about any time you had to fire a client what what prompted that? Yeah, how some, and how did somebody get through your your gate process, your gatekeeping? Well, some people you just can't get through to. I mean, if somebody's really that excited, you're not going to stop them. If they don't go to me, they're going to find somebody else to to do it for them, right? Or they'll do it themselves, which is you know scary because they really don't know what they're doing. I always say, you know, if you're sick, you go to a doctor, right? That kind of a thing. You can't be a product designer, a package expert, a factory, you know, an attorney, and all those things. You can't be right. So those people will go ahead and try to do it anyway. Um, yeah, who knows who listens to this? So, of course, there'll be no names mentioned. But I, I have fired a lot of people. And the first time I fired somebody, it was it was hard for me because it was many years ago. And, you know, again, you're earlier in your business and you need all the business you can get. But, you know, you still want to have integrity and, and do the right thing. But you kind of try to justify it in your own mind. You're like, should I fire them or can I just – they'll be okay, you know, and I'll still work with them. But I had a, a, a woman who – you know, right off the bat was, you know, this is the billion idea and then, you know, it's going to be great and got, you know, and I even get, you get excited by their, by their enthusiasm. But then, you know, like literally the next day I'd be getting emails, hey, what's getting done? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? You know, how come we haven't reached out to one of the chain stores yet? And I'm like, we just started yesterday, you know, like, and even though I said, it's going to take time, it's, this is the process. I couldn't calm this person down ever. And it, it would drove me crazy. I mean, then they get mad because you're not, you know, performing, even though you have it in writing saying, this is what it's going to take. And you have a phone call. This is what it's going to take. It's almost like I, I didn't say anything. And then they're like almost, you know, going after and I'm like, I can't, I, I mean, forget the money. I, it's like, I just, I can't do this. It's too stressful. I, I can't, you know, here's somebody else you can go talk to. It's the kind of client where, you know, every time they contact you, it's never just talk about what a great job you're doing. Right. You cringe. You see that cringe. email in your inbox or the phone ringing, you know, like, you know, if you if I don't want to answer the phone when you call or be happy to get your email, I shouldn't be working with you. And you know, over time, you evolve. Right now, I'm I'm really picky. I want to work with people that are fun to work with that I enjoy talking to. That's like my biggest criteria now. I mean, a product's a product, right? I mean, they're they're made of something. They're made in a factory. We sell them to the same stores. They're widgets to me. I mean, I get you know excited and and, and passionate about the products when I go to the retailers. But at the end of the day. 
you know, a product's a product. I have to enjoy working with you because if I cringe or, or, or even shudder at the thought of hearing from you, that who wants to do that? I don't want to do that. And not for any amount of money, really. Yeah. Well, well uh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is actually segueing nicely into kind of the next question I want to ask, which is, you know, what are kind of the, some of those warning signs that, you know, this relationship's a mistake, and we got to think about ending it. Yeah, on their end, that over enthusiastic to the, to the point where it, it, they're not being realistic. Um, that's that's the number one criteria to me. Number two is somebody that will tell me that you know they're on their last dime doing this, um, and I have people that I start with, right? So I've hired them, or they've hired me rather, and then I have to fire them because they reveal something like that to me you know, something personal or something financial. And I'm like, look, you, you know, it's like building a house. You, you got to have the money to build the house. Once the architect lays out the plans, what are you going to build you know, the frame and then go, oh, I'm out of money. And I get that kind of scenario. So that those people, I have to try to help them for free, so to speak, and kind of transition them off of what they're doing or onto another, like maybe go to licensing versus doing it themselves and introduce them to those people. But I got to let those people go too because that kind of thing where they reveal something personal to me um, I know it's going to be, you know, I'm, then yes, there's that performance pressure. If I don't like, if this thing isn't a home run, maybe they won't get mad at me, but I'm going to feel bad and, and it's going to be devastating for them. Right. I mean, if you have any sense of integrity, you do feel responsibility for the client outcomes and yeah, I'm sure some people just want to bring inventions to the market because that's just a vision they have, but right. people want to make money. They're putting a significant financial investment. Right. I, I I get that too, and you know, particularly in the startup space, somebody will call me up and say, "I want to get my business appraised because I'm going to raise money." And one of the first questions I ask him is, "Well, you're talking to this one investor. If they say no, what happens?" Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, do you have enough money to survive? Well, no. I need this investment. I said, "Well, then my valuation doesn't matter." Right. <laughs> right. If that person walks away, you're out of business. Right. I've taken a check, but I haven't helped. I really haven't helped anybody in that process, right? Right. And that, that invention inventor story sounds very similar to that. I, I think it's I think that's a big part of it. I think because those people that come to us, you, you hope that they're coming to us for a reason because they don't know something, we know something, they need our help, right? And and that's another reason that I've let people go is because people will hire me and then they tell me everything that I'm supposed to be doing, even though they have no knowledge. They, they say, Jim, shouldn't you do this? And this is how this should be done. And no, when you talk to a buyer, this is what you should be saying. I'm like, oh, that drives me crazy. That, you know, and look, I'm, I'm open to hear it. Look, I'm, I'm willing to learn something new, right? I don't care where it comes from. I mean, my kids can tell me something. And, and if I could pick up something and it helps me to do my job better for them, great. I'm, I'm not about, you know, you hire me, so I tell you everything. You have no say. You have no ability to help. I always tell people right off the bat. This is a two-way street. We have to communicate. I need things from you. You need things from me. And if we can, you know, if there's differences, we, we talk them out. But primarily, you've hired me. You're paying me to do something that you can't do or don't know how to do. So when, you know, push comes to shove, you know, you have to make a choice. Go with my words because I've done this 10,000 right. times. Why hiring me if you're not going right. to my and, advice? And I've let a couple people go in the middle of things because they were so overbearing with them, you know, hiring me, but then all of a sudden they were the expert and I was the client. It shouldn't be that way. Again, it should be collaborative, but it shouldn't be where, you know, if I pay somebody to, you know, come do something for me, I expect that they're going to be competent and they're going to do their job. And I'll, I'll, you know, say, Hey, what about that? Or can you maybe look at this? That's your right, right? You're paying money. 
But if you're going to overwhelm or overtake the whole process, then you know what? Go do it yourself or find somebody else. And it's frustrating sometimes. I think that gets to a fundamental sort of lack of trust and not in your trustworthiness, but the client's inability to trust you. I actually fired a client earlier. It's now 2019, middle of last year, because we did an appraisal for them, sent them a draft. And the client then took our draft and started showing it, you know, showed it to one – I showed it to my friend who's an investment banker, and he says your number's all wrong. So that's – you know, and I listen very carefully to investment bankers because they're out in the marketplace. Sure. So they're – many of them are very good experts. Um, so, well, you know, what did you show them? Well, I sh- first of all, I showed you the work product. So, okay, our engagement letter said you weren't supposed to do that, but okay. Um, what information did you give them besides the work product? Nothing. We had a 10-minute conversation, right? So our team's put in 25 hours on this, but you're going to show this to one person with a 10-minute conversation. You're going to decide that their opinion is more valid than mine. I think that you should retain them or somebody else. Let's, let's sort of settle up and split because if that's, if that's the level of trust you have in this process, I don't think there's, I can't think of what's going to make it end well. Yeah, and, and I, we fight that in my business too. Somebody will immediately go somewhere else or they'll try to reach the retail buyers themselves because I haven't gotten in touch with them quick enough. There's always going to be those types of people. So all you can do really is just try to set the table from the beginning. Here's how I work. This is what I expect of you. This is what you should expect of me. We talk about it. We write it out. Beyond that, you know, you lose control a little bit. But, like, again, you can usually – I know I can get a great sense of how somebody is immediately. I could just tell. I could tell their tone. I could, It also depends on how much experience they have. If they've been trying to do this on their own and they've failed repeatedly, they're coming to me out of desperation. They really will then say, okay, you know, Jim, you do what you got to do because they don't really they're, – they're at their end, right? They don't have other options. They've probably tried other – avenues or tried calling other people and, and they right. aren't getting satisfaction. So now they're on the end game for them. Those people are a little easier to deal with because they let me do my thing. Yep. Right. And they listen better. The ones that, you know, like I said, get very emotional or, or very, um, you know, connected to their own thought about, you know, this is not going to fail no matter what. I'm like, well, you need to have a great mindset. This is not going to be an easy road, but I'm telling you right now, it's, you know, the chances are you, of you succeeding are, you know, they're small. And I just want to let you know that right off, or right off the bat. But we get that people will go around you or talk to a neighbor or somebody that's not from the business at all even right. and say, oh, they said that, you know, the, this packaging doesn't look good or the pricing is wrong. And I'm like, are they buying it? Are they in this business? You know, I, I, get, I get a lot of that. And it's easy usually to kind of squash it. But once in a while, I'll get somebody who will really push the envelope on it. So how do you, how do you tell whether or not there's a systematically bad fit versus it's just a bad day, bad week, bad month for you or the client. Yeah, and, and you, I have people that will, um, you know, they, they are a good fit, and then they'll have that breakdown because they're right there spending money, right? And, and nothing's happening yet. They're not selling. You know, it's much easier to write a check to get, you know, prototypes done or patents done, but to sell a retail, it's such a long selling cycle, right? So they won't see money for six months, a year, and it's hard for them. And so sometimes people will, it seems like everything's going great. And I get that email that I'm happy to get or that call. And then, but it's a total flip. They're like, Jim, you know, I don't know what's going on. And, I, you know, I feel this way. I feel that way. That's a bad day. They just need you to, you know, kind of encourage them. Look, this is the business. This is what we talked about. It's going to be all right. I understand, you know, and you, nine out of 10 times, you, they're good. You talk them right through. 
But other times you get people who are completely the opposite. And uh, again, I, I've I'm got a pretty good feel. I, I rarely get it wrong these days. I used to not always get it right, but now I'm, I'm much better because I'm more, even more patient with waiting for people. I don't look to sign somebody up so quickly anymore. Now I kind of let people sleep on it, and I sleep on it. I had talking to a woman just yesterday, actually yesterday morning. Long story short, I had talked to her a couple of weeks ago. She sent me samples. I looked at them. I thought they were really good, and you know I. Took a few days to call her back. I wanted to feel like you know this was a good fit for me as well, you know. And we got on the phone and we talked it out, and and she understands. And I said, well, if you're good, and then I followed up with an email and said, you know, let me know what you think. And so I'm I'm slower in my process, but I think that allows me to have less error in in you know what kind of client I have and how they're going to be. You know, I I I tell people, you know, there's, there's not that much benefit. To being older, you, you get gray hair, and in my case, you get two arthritic ankles. Um, but the, the the positive side of that is wisdom, right? Yes. And realizing that the value of a deep breath, the value of sleeping on things, the value of, that you don't have to respond to everything right in the moment because that leads to a bad decision more often than not. Um, and I'm not that way. I'm yeah. I'm more the impulsive type. It's hard for me to sit back and wait. Yeah. You know, I'm not afraid to lose anything. There's always business. There's, there will always be, as long as there are inventors, I'll be in business. I'm ne- I never worry about that anymore. Okay. But I, I, it's still my nature to want to respond quickly. Or, yep. But I, I have to actually stop myself and find something else to do. Or otherwise, I will be reactive too quickly. Yeah. I mean, you, you love to sort of resolve it, get it off your plate, and not have to worry about yeah. it, right? You know, that's just again. That's just growth. That's that's the the benefit where we get for the gray hair. Um, do you have a, a preferred kind of method for for firing a client? In other words, there's, there's a passive way to fire a client, which is basically raise your rates, and then they don't want right. to work with you anymore. Or there's a there's the it's not me, it's you conversation. Even though in your mind you're saying it's not you, it's it's not me, it's you. Right. Um, do you have a preferred method, or is it have you? use different techniques based on kind of a different scenario. Yeah, you know, I, when you had written that out about the, uh, you know, raise your, your raise your prices sort of thing, I, I think I do that naturally only because I know the type of client I want and I know that will do well. And I know that client has to be financially capable of doing things. I know that there are people who will, you know, I don't do the free stuff or the, you know, the 1999 to get them in the door. I don't, I don't like doing those types of things because I know that that, that client will pay a few dollars to get information, but they, they probably won't want to pay a lot more to, to have the real work done. I don't, I don't know if I have a specific way I go about that. I think I, I kind of just feel it as I go and, and as things develop. But, uh, you know, my criteria is just, like I said, it's just more instinct than it is anything these days. I just kind of get a sense. I get them on the phone. I won't do it via email. You know, if I have a problem with somebody, I, I'm a big emailer. I, I prefer to actually email and text people than, than to talk all day long. But if I have a problem with somebody, I will call them and I, and I will say that it's them. I won't blame me because I know that I do the same thing for you that I'll do for you that I'll do, you know, that I do for everybody if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I will let them know that I, you know, it's not tolerable. I can't work under the, you hired me to be, you know, to help you and you're telling me what to do or you're, you're unrealistic. And I know this is going to lead to bad things. So I, I tell them that either they need to change and some people will, or they need to understand that we can't work together anymore. And then I'll finish up and help them transition. But 
That's usually what I would do. Well, that's good. So you you don't break up by email or text or anything like no, that. No, not like that. Do like a professional, right? right? That's a tough one to do. Yeah. So that the but the the object lesson here is if I ever see you calling, that means you're going to break up with me. <laughs> or so. it's something great. <laughs> I always tell people if I call you and I don't outbound call a lot of my clients a yeah. lot, it's either. Something's going on bad or something really good. Like, you know, they, we get a big purchase order from a retailer. They, you like getting that. That's a fun sure. phone call yep. to get. But if I call you otherwise, you know, something's up. Otherwise, we're going to email and, and yep. correspond that way. Okay. Um, is there a client you can remember that you should have fired but didn't? Uh, there's, there's probably a, a bunch that I probably should have. And, and again, those were the early days yeah. when I tried to hang on uh, because not only because I – not necessarily I really needed to, but I felt like I could. You know, I tried to, you know, like I said, with age comes wisdom. Now I know that I just, I don't want to wake up tomorrow feeling stressed. I don't want to go through a month of stress before I let somebody go. If I feel like the tension and I know it's because it's not me, I, even if I'm wrong, I'm still going to let them go. You know, I've, I've found that um, I've never, I cannot think of a time where I've ultimately regretted either firing a client or turning one away. But I can tell you for sure the clients that I've regretted taking on are not firing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you remember the, you know, the uh, if you will, the mistakes That's more right. than – because we don't know what would have happened with that the other way, right? But when right. we know when we keep ones that, that are difficult, you know, you still try to see it through though, right? I almost try to ignore how they get. And I just say, Let's just let me do my thing, you know? Right. And, and if they want – then if I just keep going on and they don't like what I'm doing, they're going to fire me, Right. So I almost kind of put it on them. I'm like, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And well, you think they'll fire you, right? But some don't. Yeah, yo, you're right. <laughs> some... But then that's but then it winds up working out because then they see what they hired me for. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, at the end of the road, look, it worked, or you got your product developed, or hey, you're selling it on whatever website, or they then they're happy and they're appreciative later on. So that's interesting. So I, I think there's sort of a lesson there. You, it seems to me like you know pretty early on. If it's a bad fit, it doesn't sort of sneak up on you necessarily. It's not the, like, like the boiling frog, for example. Right. It sounds like you know pretty early on. Yes. Mo- almost every time I know right away. Really? Very quickly. Because like, again, it's and I think that's a lot of it's just instinct and experience. I've done it a million times. I just know there's only certain ways people can be. You know, it's yeah. not like there's a thousand different ways people are going to act. There's just really a handful. When I see those that, um, you know, are red flags to me. I know, and like I said, again, before, even before I ha- there's a higher fire, I know how people are going to be. If I can't manage their expectations immediately, I know that I shouldn't even begin working with them, never mind having to you know, fire them, so to speak. Because it, it, it's not going to get better. It's not. And I know more, it's not going to be. The gonna... more ingrained you get, it's just going to be more entrenched, right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't need, I don't want that. Okay. No. Um, has a client ever talked you out of firing them? You're, you're all set. You're going to fire him. Um, but then they said, no, nah, I really want to stick it. Please, Jim, you're so great. I promise I'll be better. Hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've had that. I okay. think it's either it's cut or dry. Okay. I've had a few people where I've kind of told them they need to calm down. It wasn't like you're getting far. I guess it's like the warning, right? Like yeah. you need to chill out. You need to do this. You need to do that. Or you're not communicating well. Or you know, you're going and talk, trying to email a buyer when I told you do not do. People will go off the script, so to speak. Yeah. And I'll warn them, and, I, and then they'll, they'll, those people will say, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it, even though they probably knew what they were doing. And then most of the time, they're good. They turn around, because I, I try to be friendly. I don't, I'm not like, a, you know, get on, I'm trying to be, you know, 
rough with people when I right. work with them. I'm not trying to dictate. I'm do, trying to do They're my job. They're hurting themselves when they do that. Right. So it's kind of like a parent to a kid, right? Look, you're doing this wrong, and then you know you, you hug them later, and, and it's fine. And usually it, it, that works out. Okay. Um, any concluding comments? Anything we've, we, we haven't covered that you think we should before we wrap up here? Um, well, you know, I think, I think we've hit on all the big things. I think you have to, I think for me and I think what other people can benefit from is you just have to, even though you want that client, even though it, it may be important to you, whether it's financially or just, you know, for your own self to feel like you can ob- obtain clients, I think you have to go with your gut. I think you have to realize that if something it just doesn't feel right and you feel like it's overwhelming or there's going to be undue pressure or you can't manage those expectations, just let, just don't even do it. Don't even start. I'm just, you know, I know it's easy to say because, you know, I've been doing this and I, you know, I have an established business, but if I could look back at my younger self and do certain things over, I would probably have been a little more patient with the hire so I didn't have to worry about the fire. Because you know, hiring the wrong client can't actually do more harm than good, right? Yeah. And, you know, also if you get people who are a little, you know, off the wall with the way they are, they're very, you know, aggressive or they hot-headed you know they, then you know today with social media they could just go online and you know go, be reckless in what That's they true. say about you I mean, i've been fortunate i've never had anybody do that uh, although i've not had many people that have have gotten upset like that but still it's so easy right i mean yeah you know someone could just come out here oh this podcast oh blah 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 this you know people could do you, whatever they like you right? could walk out of here and accuse me of a federal crime before you even get to my car <laughs> right Absolutely. So, and that's scary so yep. you have to also be cognizant of that that if you feel like that person's going to be that kind of person or they're you know i have people call me up and they say you know jim i and they tell me how confrontational they are with other things in their life and i'm like yikes like is that the kind of person i want to even right. work with if things go south right. maybe they're going to you know if they're telling me what they're doing to other people maybe they're going to do that to me so sorry i was late i got a ticket for road rage yeah my first meeting right yeah. not a good sign yeah well i'll call i'll call you back tomorrow we'll see if we can work together you know so uh well this has been great um i, I want to make sure people know how to find you so if they want to learn more about this or what you actually do for a living right uh, how do they find you well can you hide any more these days i mean if i've if, tried man that, you can't no not today uh yeah we push too much out there yep. to, to be uh, i i would say social media is the best way uh you know i have one of the largest invention groups on facebook um you know in the world i have a, a it's called uh, we know inventing People can go on there, but if they just go on and Google anything, you know, Jim DeBetta, they'll it'll lead them to my websites, which one is my namesake, jimdebetta.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn very heavily. I'm on Twitter. They'll find me in two seconds. They'll be able to reach me. I And I answer everything. I You know, it's hard to because I get, you know, a couple hundred emails a week or messages. And I, I believe it or not, I'll sit up and I'll at least say, got it, you know, and, and you know, thanks for reaching out. So I'll, I respond to people. And I think it's important too in business to to be react, you know as busy as you get to at least acknowledge somebody coming al- coming along. Yep. Well, very good. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Jim DeBetta so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when you're making it. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware and Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.